So what are we talking about today? Will it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pur- about purple tops. Purple right? tops. <laughs> yes. Purple tops. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's episode 313 of Bourbon Pursuit, the podcast featuring news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman, and before we start today's episode, talking about barrel picks from people who lead barrel pick programs, here's your weekly bourbon news update. Calling all bourbon and whiskey fanatics, this is your chance to earn $20,000 and be named world's top whiskey taster. Back for a second year is Bardstown Bourbon Company's Whiskey Tasting Competition, where you can compete for a scholarship to Moonshine University, the opportunity to create your own blend with Steve Nally, get a sponsored block party back in your hometown, and a $20,000 cash prize. The first thing you need to do is sign up for the casting call, which will open on July 15th at worldstopwhiskeytaster.com. You just have to showcase your knowledge and enthusiastic personality. There will be five regional qualifiers based in Chicago, Dallas, New York, LA, and Atlanta, and those regional winners will be sent to Bardstown to compete for the grand prize. Once again, the casting call will open on July 15th at worldstopwhiskeytaster.com. The Kentucky Distillers Association has announced that Castle & Key, based in Woodford County, is the 43rd member of the nonprofit trade group. Castle & Key is also the KDA's 15th heritage-level member, which is the highest rank for distilleries that age more than 50,000 barrels per year. And a new bill has declared that Indiana rye can be a legally binding and regional designation of whiskey. Distillers can now label their product with the term Indiana rye whiskey. And according to the new bill, in order for a whiskey to be called an Indiana rye, it must be either a sour or sweet mash with at least 51% rye as the base ingredient. It has to come off the still at no more than 160 proof, go into the barrel at no more than 125, and be bottled at more than 80 proof. The whiskey must be aged for a minimum of two years in new white American oak barrels. And with now more than 30 distilleries currently producing rye whiskey in the state of Indiana, it provides the lion's share of rye whiskey that is consumed on today's market, with its most famous being MGP, which creates for brands such as Bullet, Whistlepig, Angel's Envy, High West, Redemption, and a whole lot more. Now moving on to bourbon release news. Remus Repeal Reserve Series 5 will be arriving in September from MGP. The final 100 proof blend breaks down as follows. Now stick with me because there's a lot of percentages here. 9% is a 2005 bourbon of the 21% rye mash bill. 5% of another 2005 bourbon, which is the 36% rye mash bill. 19% of a 2006 bourbon of the 21%. 13% of another 2008 bourbon, which is the 21%. And lastly, 54% of a 2008 bourbon of the 36% rye mash bill. This means that the barrels in the blend range from 13 to 16 years old, and they will have a retail price of $90. Now, we talk about barrel picks all the time on the show. Heck, we do 40 to 50 barrel selections per year with our private barrel program. But instead of hearing me talk about it, let's hear some stories from people that live and breathe it every single day. We're joined by Macaulay Mitten of Wilderness Trail and John Waydell of Peerless Distilling. Both of these guys run the barrel select programs for each of their distilleries. And we get to know more about the programs and the do's and don'ts of going on a barrel pick. And speaking of barrel picks, we have a lot going on. We just released our 16 and 17 year old whistle pigs that sold out quickly. And we've got a lot more coming. 
We've also selected a barrel from Frey Ranch this week. So if you want to help support the show and get your hands on some great single barrel bourbons, come and support us. Patreon.com slash bourbon pursuit. With that, enjoy today's episode. And now here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. This week's idea comes from George Dunn, who writes me on fredminnick.com, quote, Okay, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say I wanted to be the above the char question. All right, George, here you go. You're, you're here on above the char. What is your dental routine before competition tasting? Well, I've been asked a lot of things, George, and I don't think anyone's ever asked me about my dental routine. Uh, <laughs> uh, first of all, this is actually a great question. Uh, early on in my career, I was uh, around a lot of uh, master sommeliers um, and a lot of people who were in like uh, wine tasting competitions. And they would always tell me to not brush your teeth before a major tasting, uh, to don't eat any onions or things like that. And I remember weighing my, my dental uh, prowess over my palate. And I would go through times of not, you know, brushing my teeth and I would taste. And I was like, I felt like my tastings were actually off when I didn't brush my teeth. And here's why. There's a film, you know, there's like a, a, a gunk, there's a, a, a grossness to your mouth when you don't brush your teeth daily or floss or use mouthwash. You know, so you have a layer of like crap on there. I can't give you like the scientific terminology here. I can just give you that like when I don't brush my teeth, I got me some dragon breath. So I'm trying to prevent uh, dragon breath tasting scenario. So uh, yeah, I do brush my teeth. I use mouthwash. I floss. I mean, I don't want to be tasting and have last night's steak hanging up in there in the on the top half you know, decaying out and creating flavors on my palate. And I just don't want that. So what I have found over years of experimentation is that if I don't take care of my proper, no, if I don't take care of my teeth, if I don't go through that process, uh, then it will have a huge impact on my tasting for the negative. So I have no issues uh, whatsoever with uh, brushing my teeth, going through my daily stuff. What I've learned is when you try to change something, then you screw your palate up. And that's just my take. Uh, every taster is different. And, you know, when I'm doing competitions, there will be people who won't brush their teeth. Am I talking to them in close proximity? Absolutely not. But, uh, but that's going to do it for this week's Above the Char. Hey, if you want to know about any of my grooming techniques before tasting, be like George and hit me up on fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com. And maybe you will be read on the next episode of Bourbon Pursuit. But that's going to do it out there. Everybody be safe out there. Cheers. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. 
And they're off for another Gift 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 000 Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Welcome back to Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. Kenny and Ryan here today talking about one of the most favorite subjects that we get to talk about on this show, and that is private barrel selections. We've got our own private barrel selection uh, program. We've done almost over a hundred of them now, and it never gets old. That's the fun it part. It does not. It's, no. it's, yeah, I mean, it's the you, tours get old, but not the barrel selections. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with tasting more and more whiskey. And so we're going to be joined here by two guys today that are going to kind of give us an insight into more of the the nuances that you see behind the scenes of a barrel selection program. We've talked about barrel selections. We, Ryan, you've talked about them being unicorns all the time. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, everybody used to get geeked out over the limited editions, which is fine. But, you know, the true unicorns to me are single barrel uh, selections. It's you're getting your own pick, your own barrel. And it's something, you know, the perfect thing about bourbon is like with a single barrel selection, it's never going to be replicated. You're never going to have the same wood. You're never going to have the same climate that you know that barrel experience for the four to ten however long it's been and so it's a truly unique barrel for for you or your group or whoever it's for and it's they're always special and like i said they never get old they're so much fun and we talk about the experience a lot but we never talk about the actual people behind it and what they have to go through. yeah we just and, show up yeah we just like, show up and we're like all right where's the whiskey guys but you know there's there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes of actually going through taste testing and making sure these barrels fit the program scheduling, and scheduling everybody coordinated all these you know i thought like i was herd cats if i was good at excel spreadsheets these guys are probably masters at it so yeah. I mean, i'm sure there's there's all kinds of stuff they got to deal with crap like that so let's go ahead and introduce our guest for today so today on the show we have macaulay mitten he calls himself the barrel guru over at wilderness trail distillery and we have John Waydell. He is the single barrel program curator over at Peerless. So guys, welcome to the show. 
Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. So, we, yeah, I guess thanks we, for bringing whiskey. Yeah, absolutely. We got it. We got always we, a plus. We have single barrels with us here, and some no, other no. kind of good peerless distilling. Uh, we got an absinthe finish here, so it's uh, yes, it's, it's getting crazy here. I know. Let's go ahead and we'll rock conversation and might get weird. <laughs> absinthe leaking to our. our I should have brought a king cake too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We could DoorDash so, that in. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, could, we need to look into that. So I want to kind of talk a little bit more about uh, each one of your programs. You know, Macaulay, I'll kind of start with you first. Um, you know, kind of give us an idea of, well, A, like how did you get into, you know, the whiskey and bourbon side of it? How did you get into the single barrel side? And kind of talk a little bit more about the program in general, too. I, I guess I'll give you a little bit about my background. When I was in college, I decided I didn't want to go to law school wanted to pursue getting into master brewing is what I was into at that time. I actually went to Wilderness Trail on a field trip in college and got to meet Dr. Heist and see the lab at Firm Solutions. And I kind of put the math together. If I could get in there on know my fermentation, uh, know how yeast works a little bit better and do that quality control, I could get a job landed anywhere. So I did an internship in the lab with them for about six months before they ended up hiring me to be a distillery operator at that point. I handled that job for around six months before we, I think I got tricked into this position being (laughs) the uh, bottling manager when we started bottling. Uh, But so bottling and shipping, receiving manager. So hand labeling, um, that was the, and hand bottling is not a fun task. So things have changed a lot since then, but. After that, got into the visitor center operations, and then one day we started uh, decided we were going to kick off our barrel pick program, and then started that out with doing a, a KDA barrel pick uh, for the bourbon affair. So we had all the master distillers in there. I laid out a really good spread, and it was next level for them. They'd just been in rick houses all day, spitting on the ground, and when you come in, have a nice setup, nice crystal and charcuterie board and things like that. Uh, get a little impression on that. So I uh, got a phone call. Uh, Al Young came, called and was like asking me for some pointers on wanting to see how to do barrel picks. So I knew I'd made it at that point. So <laughs> We got Al then, Young giving you, giving you the phone call to figure out what yeah, you're doing. Yeah, so that was, that was, that's when I knew I had the hat and the feather right there. So uh, we've been kind of just morphing that program, growing that, getting it into different markets and just kind of trying to man the ship at this point. It's It's been a uh, spaceship ride to the top right now i mean we started out just in two states distribution a few years ago now we're in 33 different markets and get into the international market as well too so sky's the limit on that and i'm just interested to see where i am in a few more years at the position uh now we do a little bit more quality control so tasting barrels kind of getting on on that side a little bit more so the role has kind of been defining itself a little bit uh, more as it goes because there wasn't anyone before there. So I was able to go in and kind of set the protocols, really develop some a program that I wanted to do because I did a lot of corporate espionage as well, too. So uh, <laughs> Secret chopper. Yeah, so I did a little corporate espionage this morning, as I was telling you guys, too. But it's, it's good to go out and see what everyone else is doing on their barrel picks, kind of what they're offering, knowing what's out there. Uh, I've always had this misnomer of like, so with Kentucky and distilleries, we always kind of have this perception of everything being a little bit more rugged. But I think that we're getting past that. We're starting to define spirits a little bit better. And we're having more con- educated consumers and people are just dialing into things a little bit more. So being able to know what's out there and then being able to take that back and fine tune your program a little bit more, too. So it's nice being all doing that. So that's my 
That's your little. That's intro. my little intro. I liked it. <laughs> I liked pitch. It. Yeah, that was a good pitch. That was a good pitch. So, John, we'll kind of move it over to you now. So, kind of same question. Kind of talk about you know how you got into whiskey, how you got to Peerless, and into this position, and you know more about the program. Crazy. I always tell people just right place, right time. Like just so many variables that led up to even being there at Peerless. Um, so I came from like a bartending background, and I met Caleb, our master distiller, through a mutual friend. And uh, we started doing just like game nights, cocktail nights. And I come over and make drinks. We eat and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I, at the time I was working with like animals, like, you know, bartending, working with animals, enjoyed that stuff. And he um, approached me and was like, hey, I think you'd be really good here. And this was like in the beginning phase. Like we didn't have any product out or anything. And uh, he brought me on. He's like, if you don't like it, no hard feelings. And I never left after the first day. Like I kept coming back every day, every day. And I was about three months into it, uh, they finally was like, come work for us full time. Um, so I started working there, started off um, learning the mashing, like adding the grains, water, yeast, all that kind of stuff. Uh, from there, uh, distilling, which is crazy, like just learning our still process and programming, considering that I'm sitting here with the master distiller that program code and design this whole system here. So it's like, you know, listening to somebody talk about their baby. Um, so it was just great hands-on experience. And then product became of age and we were new. There was only like 20 employees there. And it was one of those days where we started pulling barrels down and tasting them. And I remember walking through the lab and it was Caleb, our master distiller and Nick Clee, one of our other distillers. And I just asked, can I sit down and taste with you all? And they were like, yeah, pull up a seat. Like we need all hands on deck. And, um, I just tell people, I guess I had a good palate because Caleb said, Hey, come back here tomorrow. We need you to come back and taste. And then we had a barrel program coming about. People were asking about single barrels. And uh, I guess I showed the most excitement about it. Like, I was like, can I help select these? Like, I want to do this. And at first, Caleb started off with it. And um, I'd set up everything for him, have everything laid out by the time the groups come in. And uh, I think about two weeks into the program, he approached me again and said, hey, I think we want to let you run this program. And uh, ever since then, I've just been... um, you know, leading up the program. And, and as he was kind of saying, Macaulay, it was just, it's so nice. Like it's so hands-on at a craft distillery. So, you know, our program, you know, we hand, like we taste every single barrel that goes into it. Um, because when barrels become of age, we're not just looking for single barrels. We're looking for small batch ones to hold back. So it's really so hands-on from beginning to end. I mean, we're hand-selecting, curating these barrels that we put in. So we're making sure that we put, um, I believe, as you said, the Easter egg, like just the best of the best barrels we can possibly put in there. And from there, then on, we still curate, like when it becomes selection days, um, you know, myself, uh, Nick Clee, uh, our other distiller, we sit down, we taste them, we'll hand select the barrels we put in the program. Because not only do we want them to be different, we want them to be just different from each other. We want to show off a little bit of that um, range that we have within our rickhouses. And yeah, it's been great. I've been able to kind of shape the program and kind of lead off from there and set the standards. Um, and speaking of Al Young, Al Young came down the peerless one day. And like you said, that's when like you knew, like when you're like, all right, we must be doing something right when Al Young's down there hanging out, asking about your program. That's, really oh, that's cool. very cool. Yeah. So talk about, uh, well, hold on, before you get there, there's a question I want to pose you. What were you doing with animals? <laughs> um, I was uh, working like as a vet. Questions. It's an important question. I, I was working with e- exotic animals as like a vet tech, you know. Really? Um, and we did. We also had like a dog boarding place with like doggy daycare and stuff like that. There, uh, I just really enjoy like working with animals was just so rewarding. Like it really was. Um, they don't give me any shit. But I'll be I'll be <laughs> honest. It's it's hard to make a living off of that. You know, you don't get sure. paid much in that field. So that's why you know I was doing bartending. So I, I'm born and raised here in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, 
and I've always had a passion for, I mean, I, I remember sneaking into my mom's liquor cabinet and drinking whiskey and bourbon at such a young age. Uh, it's okay. You're not, you're not, okay, okay, it's, yeah, not incriminating. Yeah. it's not incriminating at all. Uh, that's where uh, the so, you know, palate got defined in yeah, the liquor yeah. cabinet. You know, grew up drinking just some cheap stuff. And then here I am now, like working at a distillery. And six years ago, I would never believe I'm doing what I'm doing now. Yeah, it's awesome. That's a great story. Yeah. All right. One more question. Like, what's the most exotic animal you did handle? Um, Kenny's way into the uh, well, it's, in, it's, it's, it's interesting. God, where do I start? I mean, from every, but I, I guess I would say the coolest one is an owl. If you've never seen an owl, oh, yeah. like spread Owls out, cool, like yeah. under like uh, sedation, like an owl will mess you up. Yeah. Like predatory. Uh, the, oh my gosh. Yeah. The, just the talons and the claws on that thing. And they can spin their head around. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably the most fearful animal I saw, like, uh, probably come through there, but pigs i mean you name it man we had it in there besides like larger animals we dealt we didn't deal with like horses or anything like that but it was a crazy 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 experience there working at that place all right back to business brian all right back to (laughs) (laughs) so uh you you talked about how you all taste everything and you know you kind of like say all right you're going to the single barrel program or small batch or vice versa is there like a formula that are in your head like okay we need X amount we want to do for just single barrels, X amount for our small batch, X amount for, you know, so is there like a, like a certain percentage that you're able to like allocate towards just single barrels? So, yeah, I mean, I do get only a certain number a year uh, um, that we are allowed single barrels just because you've got to make sure we're holding enough back for, you know, X amount of years. So we have older age statements. So I, I say it's the toughest thing because at that point, when you depend on what you're allocating for the year, you have to say no to people, which I hate doing. Like, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, we're full this year. Like, that's probably the hardest thing about the program for me because you always want to have that connection and stuff with people. Because the brand, you probably want emphasis on the everyday, you know, brand or whatever, but your whiskey geeks enthusiasts want the the single barrels. So it's got to be a, a, a hard balance. Yeah, yeah. Because you got to take care of your stores that help push, you know, your small batch and things like that. But then you also want to get your product in the new hands too yeah and i'm you know you both are different scale levels as well as about how many barrels are coming out per day both you're kind of around you know four to six years is some of the oldest whiskey that that you are producing or, or putting out today so you are kind of like in, in parody in regards of age and stuff like that but yeah in regards to scale it's a little bit different i know peerless is uh a few less barrels per day than the Wilderness Trail. <laughs> oh man, uh, like, <laughs> yeah, the, just a few. The production is awesome at Wilderness Trail. Yeah, so I mean, when you are trying to hold stuff back, yeah, it must get a little bit tougher knowing you've got to hold stuff back to get more maturity, but you do want to release something. Yeah, it, it's it's a uh, it's a little rough, uh, just because you do, like I said, you you always want to push, and I always ask for more. You know, like, hey, can I get a couple more barrels? I mean, gotta try at least, but um. You know, we're very good and it's, it's like I said, eventually, we'll do more eventually in the future. We're just trying to make sure we have enough for older, older stuff. All right, Macaulay, on to you then. So we just saw, we're discussing how we have different production means going on. So when we started out our program, we were still on our pot still at the beginning. So this year we've got onto our larger production using that 16 inch column. So we're just being able to tap into more barrels at this point. So right now we're running around 350 barrels for our barrel pick program but per year per year now gotcha that might in 2022 that's going to increase because we're going to be on our larger column so we're gonna have more juice that we can tap in but we're still going to keep it around that four to five year old mark because uh last year we didn't offer any weeded bourbon for example because we we had our six-year-old release so when i'm hitting those barrels for the barrel pick program that's a barrel that takes away from eight-year-old that's a one less barrel for six-year-old program 
So it's kind of like, come on, Shane, come on, Pat, (laughs) give it up. Well, exactly. So, and then it's always having to deal with those requests. Like I've got a charity group. I've got a friend that wants something a little special. Like, so trying to take all those things into consideration and keep the, the big game picture as the North star objective is difficult to do because I am also a yes, man. I would like to just make everyone happy, give them whatever. Let's drink whiskey, have a good time, do some business. But there are larger constructs of that too. We do have to figure out case allocation. It is the way we do our allocation. It's going to be based off sales across our core SKUs. So our small batch, uh, high rye bourbon, our single barrel bottle and bomb weeded bourbon, and then that cast strength rye whiskey. And that's kind of how we spread it around. Uh, And it, it is what it is. I just can't pull more aged whiskey out of a barrel. And that's one thing that people on the other side of the phone don't realize is when they're calling me we're getting backed up on sample requests. Well, I only have a window of barrels that are now four years old. Just because you saw the news the other day or read an article that says we have 100,000 barrels, it doesn't mean <laughs> They're not that there's 100,000 barrels that you want to pick right now. Most of those are super green still, if you will. So being able to just get into that um, right now, we're starting to trickle out of our different warehouses as well, too. Last year, most of our product was in A, the smaller warehouse, our 2,000-barrel rickhouse. Now we're starting to pull some some items out of B, which is going to be that 16,000-barrel rickhouse. And then next few years, we'll get into those larger rickhouses as well, too. So being able to play around with rick position, uh, location, and things like that is something I look forward to uh, as we start developing more of these age spirits. Very cool. There's another question that you brought up and I want to pose it to you all because I'm sure that you get requests all the time, whether they're private barrel groups like like us. And we're like, hey, can we get in? Like, I want to get a barrel. End of the year. We need one. Or, you know, and they're like, oh, you know, we're doing a a fundraiser for this children's hospital. Like, how do you deal with that? Like, how do you deal and try to figure out like, it's hard to play favoritism. And then you've also got your allocations to stores that are based on sales like talk about like the internal turmoil that you have to face to to try to figure out like who gets a barrel and benefit analysis. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Usually I, um, and when it comes down to that, I may pass it on to someone else, but like, <laughs> hey, like someone higher up, like I, I need you to make this decision. Um, but no, you know, it just, that's a darn good question. Um, I think a lot takes into fact. I mean, a lot of times on those situations when it's an extra group like that from Razors, we just pull an extra barrel for the lot for the year. Like we'll we'll find an extra barrel just to give them. Now you're gonna get all these calls. Yeah, I know. I, know. Right? Like, yeah. I, got, I, got, I got a fundraiser going on. Yeah. I, uh, I got a new charity going too. Yeah, started it. Like, yeah, exactly. But uh, I think you know, with that, you know, it just depends a lot on reps, which I don't think a lot of people realize. Like you're you work hand in hand with your reps in every state and things like that, and you just got to make sure it's a good fit. Um, and I hate saying no. I really do. It's one of the hardest things. And we we really do like do everything we possibly can to try to see if we can't fit it in. But sometimes you just got to give them the big N-O. Mm-hmm. Yep. But you put them on a waiting list. Like we still stay in contact with that being said. Always make sure. I no try today to, doesn't mean no forever. Yeah. I try to reach out to them at least once a, once a month just to check in with them. Make sure like, hey, kind of keep them up to date on where we are with the program and everything too. Because we do get cancellations too throughout the year. Sure. A big part of that is managing relations with our distributor partners. Honestly, those are the guys that have the cards in their hands and are able to make the calls. They know their market better. They know these individual customers better. And they 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 have better judgment where it calls, where this barrel needs to go at the end of the day. Uh, 
at the end of the day, we're a business. We need to be able to grow that brand. We're trying to push those core products and we all want to help out people as much as possible too. But discretion's not all in my hands though. So I get get requests all the time. People want to schedule barrel picks, but I always have to pivot that over to the distributor partner at this point. Is that who you, I guess, look to mostly as the distributors to like say, this is your deal to decide who's going to get the barrels and don't let them come at us, you know? Absolutely, yeah. The The worst part though, I think one of the comments that stings the most is when they're like, so you're not the guy I need to talk to then. I'm just like, oh. oh <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, yeah. but I'm the guy's guy though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm the gatekeeper <laughs> to the guy. <laughs> I choose the barrels that go into that selection, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so I, want to talk about you know you talk about you guys uh went out and like did the secret shop or whatnot before you know going to different barrel picks what what were some things that you know you liked about other people's programs and maybe some things you didn't like um that you know you you were like we don't want to do it that way at our place well didn't like in the nicest possible way you can say well yes i can kick off with didn't like in the nicest possible sense (laughs) from one i did this week i get it that not everyone knows what's what's actually going on when you're doing a barrel pick and there's people that are just trying to help you get things done and things like that. But we're at X distillery and we doing our barrel pick and the lady looks at me and she's like, she's questioning me, swirling my glass and nosing it. She told me that I was, uh, I was smelling my bourbon wrong and I was tasting it wrong. And it was kind of like mic drop situation because everyone in the room was just like looking at each other like, oh my God. It's like she gave me the bait switch and hook. She's like, why are you doing it that way? Had me explain it, blah, blah, blah. You know, gave her the scientific aspects of it. And then she's like, oh, you're wrong. My master distiller told me it was this. The paper says this. Like, but I was just blown away. Like, and then after I was leaving, I slid her my business card and kind of let her know what oh, I, no. I did a little bit. So she came up to me in, in, in the gift shop and she's like, I'm sorry if I offended you. And I was like, well, you didn't offend me, but I'm going to tell you something. And I was like, there's so many different methods out there. I was like, what I do works for me. It doesn't work for, it might not work for you. What you learn and what you apply works for you. Go with what works for you. But don't tell me what I'm doing wrong. I was like, I come from a wine background, beer, and I've, I've taught hundreds of people to this yeah, classes. Like, your, uh, so I was, yeah, I was just note. a little perplexed. I was like, oh, I've taught hundreds of people how to do bourbon sewer programming. And uh, I don't know. Like, So that was just interesting. At the end of the day, it, it don't matter how you drink it. You can put Mountain Dew or Dr. Thunder in there, whatever you got cooking <laughs> it's around. Your barrel, like, uh, <laughs> if you're, as, Thunder as, long, as long as you are buying it, that's what counts, in my opinion. But step one, you like it or don't, it don't matter how you smell it, lace it around, swish it around, like, and don't tell me how to how to drink it at sure. that point. Like, but on the flip <laughs> side of it, have, have you found a distillery that you're like, oh, I really like what they're doing over there? Honestly, uh, Mandy down at Four Roses, I think she's got it going on. I, that's uh, that was one of uh, the greatest, great experiences I've been on. Uh, I think she has a great program down there, good offerings. I, I'm a fan of being able to taste what I'm getting in my my bottle. So if I'm going to be selecting something that's 94 proof or something like that, let's let's taste it at 94 proof. I don't need to play a guessing game of falling in love with this hundred this high proof bourbon to get it watered down and not like it when I get it back to the store or to the bar or anything like that. Sure. So let's just cut out the middleman on that. That's one thing I 
opposed on that. Like, let's 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 taste what we're getting in our bottle. Let's let's cut out this proofing scheme. Um, let's let's just get down to it. Just, get out of just go straight yeah. cash. Right. Well, exactly. That's you know, cash, drink, ball, and bonds—the only way to go. You're right. <laughs> what about you, John? Have you seen anything that's been kind of like you're like, eh, I don't really see what they're doing, but I really like this. Um, two things I just never get is you know, one why they taste like in a cold brick house. Like when you're out there, like I've been yes, on several beers. Yeah. Like I'm like, what? You're not gonna drink your whiskey at that that's temperature. You're not gonna. It's I don't know. I just never got the explain, whole setting of that. Make sure you explain people why. I mean, I know we know why, but make sure you explain people why because it does change the whiskey entirely. Yeah. So, I mean, drinking it compared to when it's, you know, maybe 34, 20 degrees in a rakehouse tasting your bourbon or whiskey out of a barrel compared to when it's room temperature or when you're in the rakehouse and it's like 100 and something degrees in there. Um, that affects the flavor of the whiskey tremendously. Um, so... Like I said, between like Wilderness Trail, they do a great job, um, kind of same way we do it too. You know, we're inside, we're in a That's comfortable- That's not what you said before the show. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but he's here now. Uh, no, you know, you, you sit down, you're comfortable. Like you're in your everyday setting. Like how would you be enjoying it sitting around with friends like we're doing now or just in a bar? Um, so I never understood that aspect of just tasting yeah. it out right out in the rickhouse. And then same thing, like why am I tasting it at barrel proof if this isn't how I'm going to receive it? That's almost like- um, I don't know, like tasting food, like here, taste this Switch raw steak. Bait. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, so yeah, if, I, if, you're, if you're serving to me at 94 proof, before I get here, like obviously I'm spending the time, the money to buy a barrel from you, proof it down to what it's going to taste like for me. Um, with the sample, it's, you can get pretty close to it that yeah. way. Um, so I guess I never understood those two things, um, why they do it that way. But, you know, and it's not just because he's sitting here, but, you know, once again, I love just being able to sit down, relax, not feel like I'm rushed or, you know, have to put on 20 layers of clothing or hope that I don't have a heat stroke uh, while picking barrels. Yeah, it, it is great to be in the warehouse just because you are like around the barrels, you're, you know, but, but at the same sensory, time. You, sensory overload. But it's yeah. sensory overload. Like you're, you, you got smells and sights and Absolutely. sounds and feeling, but I'm, with the cold, the heat, it, it, it does throw you off. And that's what I like about both of your alls because you both take us in a, you know, an intimate setting room where we can hang around, you know, bullshit kind of be just inside and kind of have a great experience without having all that outside influence on us. You know, let it open up. You know, that's one thing I love, you know, when we're sitting there drinking and you're having a good time tasting, going through your barrels, you know, next thing you know, 20 minutes has gone by and you went back and revisit your glass and it's changed and then you got a whole different opinion about it. And that's how I truly think you will pick and uh, find the best barrels out there. Because you can go down to the warehouse and pull out the grossest barrel ever on an ice cold day and it's going to taste good oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's like putting your bottle in the freezer you know goldschlager in the freezer oh yeah exactly <laughs> and we've done that i mean we've experimented you know uh board down there we'll pull you know maybe 10 samples try them out then you know set them back let them get room temperature go back and just uh for fun fun reasons you know educational reasons i guess <laughs> your own education yeah absolutely yeah but there's intention of doing that though, which I, I think both of us realized that and we that's yeah. why we set up our programs to shine out our spirits and not try to mask it behind uh, another layer of water <laughs> or uh, any kind of humidity or coldness that's out in the warehouse. So we're we're going for what we're we're actually trying to purchase and select for that day. Yeah. I always like telling like people you taste it when you get it. You know? Whatever you're tasting now, that's gonna be what we bottle and send to you. And then one thing I kind of feel interesting too is 
both of us come from a whole background of working in the distillery, though. We we weren't just somebody that got pulled out of the gift shop on a on a, on a, on a slow day and got picked in there. Like, can you fog a mirror? You're yeah, running, yeah. You're running the barrel program. They just didn't like give us samples. Like, hey, this is what they're going to be tasting today. So yeah, definitely. I think there's a you're there from start to finish, you know, whether you taste at the barrels, you put these barrels in the program and I'm not going to lie. You get a little attached to some of these barrels. Like when you taste them, like this is a great barrel. Like, and it, it I don't want to see this one go. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're like, how can I not going to snick one? a bottle off of there? Yeah. Like yeah. who can I give this to locally? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's always the joke. Why are, are, are we, why are we always getting rid of the good barrels right yeah. now? Like holding back nothing for us. Then you have that. So there's another thing about, remote picks right when you have to deal with you know you send three barrel samples off to you know idaho california texas wherever and you've got to sit there and you got to hold that inventory until they select it and they're like oh we need another week we need another week how hard is it to sit there and say like i've got to look at my inventory and i could be like guys like you've got like like maybe a day left before i release these barrels and send it to somebody else like how does that situation work my barrel program we don't do samples generally uh but with covid we have all had to make exceptions to the rules and we have opened up to doing sample program because the way i view the barrel pick program is i see it as an extension and arm of marketing and sales department what other industry are you forcing somebody to come spend fifteen thousand dollars and you make them fly across country on their own dime to pick it out we're not flying out. We're not going to Southern California and buying a used car <laughs> and without any bait to go out there, for example. Yeah. So it, it's just more education and getting people involved. So that's what the whole barrel pick program is supposed to be evolved around, not just hitting numbers, making it a little bit more sales, because it really doesn't make a difference between turning a barrel into a barrel pick program select versus a skew brand on the financial side essentially. So it just is an educational tool, tool for us. So when I started doing sample packs, uh, we started incorporating doing a lot of Zoom sessions, which is nice because there's some people that we just wouldn't have engaged with before. Uh, we've opened up our audience a little bit more doing that as well, too. Uh, we've done programs with uh, the British Bourbon Society, which is a humongous group, thousands of members. We have call Zoom call with them with 200 guys on it. So it's been interesting uh, to be able to connect in a different way that I was kind of just whole blocked out on before, but it is a huge pain in the ass though. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine not only shipping out samples and keeping track of them, but Making spending sure your nights. Break. <laughs> and then you got to spend your nights on a Zoom call, you know? Well, you spend and, the nights on a Zoom call and then when they select a bottle or select a barrel, you're like, oh, okay, I got to go back and like, all right, well, I got to go re-pour all these ones and then ship them out to somebody else. Like, it's a it's, it's a lot of labor that goes into it too. But Miles? what's worse, doing that or scheduling on-site visits? Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. 
Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. What's worse, doing that or scheduling on-site visits? I'd rather, I'd rather do the on-site visits as well just because it's, it's a different ball game when you can get them down there and show them what you do, especially like with these new groups and things like that compared to shipping out samples. But I'm saying like just hurting, you know, like getting everybody on the same day, like same schedule, you know. Oh, like, on, oh yeah. I'd rather do on site for sure. It's easier it's, to schedule those versus the dealing with the samples on Zoom. I hate emails. Like I know, <laughs> I know you're trying to like, I know it's 2021, but like I hate emails. Like call me, like just call me, end it right there instead of like. Back, ah, oh, man, emails are like my worst thing. Probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Same page there, brother. I'm like, for some reason I'll take a text message, but you, uh, an email, I'm like. <laughs> yeah, I'm a texter call guy myself. I get a, I get a phone call from reps probably once a day or several times. You check your email yet? I'm like, no, I haven't. They're like, gosh, I sent you an email like two hours ago. I'm like, all right, I'm looking, I'm looking. Well, you guys, you got to set out like a window of like two hours to go and get caught up with the emails. That's just usually how it works. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, shipping out samples on, on that, you know, side things so starting off you know we we did ship out just because you know people like i can't make it to you i really or you know your reps are out there excited like these accounts have been pushing your stuff like they want to do a barrel but now we've learned our lesson um i won't ship out any samples unless i have a selection date now so like all right you want to pick a barrel that's great give me an exact date and i'll make sure the samples are there by that time because it does free up you know being a craft so i think they forget you know we, we make 10 to 12 barrels a day at Peerless. So it's not like I have a thousand single barrels in my arsenal. No problem. You know, we're talking maybe at a time, I may have 15 barrels at that time that I can, we, we consider single barrel quality. Well, if I got three out on the market for a month, you know, it does me no good. That just takes mm-hmm. two out of the inventory. Um, so yeah, we're, we're very, very strict on that part now with uh, the single barrel, just because, you know, we want to make sure we connect with everybody we can and give everyone the same experience. So we've, we've come to the conclusion now that coming in person is by far the, the most authentic way to be able to do it. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you get doing, you're doing it over, doing over Zoom is, is, is okay. Right. It gets, it gets the job done. It's nice doing them in your sweatpants. At and, the same yeah. time, if, if you come in and we decide that we're the barrels that I selected for us to taste that day, aren't in the direction that you're wanting, we can pull some other samples. If you come in and say, this is what I'm looking for, X, Y, and Z characteristics and in this rye whiskey, then I'm going to go ahead and pull those barrels or pull samples from that and not waste our time on something. If you want full robust spice or do you want floral and delicate, like 
let's 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 talk about it. Let's get this figured out instead of kind of you bring up the point. Time. Is there I'm someone like, that's ever been like so difficult and they're like, oh, I'm just not feeling it. And you're like, oh, I got you know, I, I I can't please you, you know. Well, at a certain point, you got to cut draw the line because you're personally liable. I mean, I can't just have an all all you can drink. Uh, affair there sure. and just let someone walk out the door so you 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 just have to draw the line at some point and generally i mean i personally curate all the barrels for the program and have a, a team that works with me on approving those too so i know there's something good on the table it's <laughs> right. not like i've just been circulating c6 for 10 months on the table <laughs> waiting for some sucker to pick it know, up that, or that lady me. at that other distillery might have other things to say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Uh, you know, there's uh, three of us. So, you know, I get to curate every barrel that goes in the program. But the good thing is with the make it in the program, there's myself, Caleb and Nick. All of one of us, Caleb's nice enough to give everyone a veto power. So as he was saying, like, we know these are some of the best barrels we have that are in the program. Um, just because if, you know, I like it, Nick likes it, Caleb doesn't like it it doesn't go in or vice versa. Um, so that's one thing about Caleb, which I think is very respectful that he really does value everyone's opinion and everyone's on that panel for a reason, because we do have, you know, good palates and very different is also what I love because I'm not a big earth guy on the palate. So, you know, I look at those, I'm like, ah, but is it a bad barrel or is it just not my flavor? Just not yours. Yeah. Yeah. And whereas Caleb comes in, he's like, he loves those. I mean, that's like one of his favorite uh, profiles in a barrel. Well, speaking of things that are kind of off profile, I brought some bottles with us. And I think everyone has a pour of the, the Wilderness Trail pick that I brought. The bourbon. So I actually brought, so I teach a bourbon steward class at the distillery and we do a barrel pick. Uh, simulation at the end, if you will. So we'll do a barrel pick at the end and we'll offer three different castings uh, that you can select for it. So the barrel that we're just, we have all poured right now is something that I actually kicked out of a, a lineup one day and I was heading home to lunch and I was thinking about it and I was like, did I really not like that barrel or was it just different? Was it just the most like off the wall barrel in the whole lineup. And I was like, yeah, it was. I was like, I need to go back and give it another <laughs> another touch. And I ended up bottling it instead of just blending it out in a small batch or something like that. But I'll let you guys try it out. So that that's something when I'm curating barrels too. Like I I there's like, a there's a difference in going through there for quality control and saying this has flaws, this has flaws. Like I need to nix it. And there's a difference in going through and tasting and saying, hey, this is a barrel that I need for my program. This has these nuances, it's exceptional, yeah. different profiles than maybe what our standard core kind of family is, if you will. So when you think about when, you know, Ryan and I would come in, like, I know that you all have gone through extensive research, if you will, of tasting and whatever it is that goes. I mean, it's probably the, the best part of the job to make sure that you're tasting the, the best whiskey that possibly can come from your distillery for this. If you give us three samples and I'm like, I don't. I don't know if something's here for us. Is that okay or is it like slightly annoying? <laughs> you know, it's, you would think it may be annoying, but honestly, one thing, uh, me personally, I guess with our program, I love the brutal honesty. Like don't sugarcoat it. Like tell me like why, because then that helps me figure out like, all right, was it a bad barrel? Or it's like, just not his flavor. Like, what are you looking for? So that's why also too, before they come in, I always like talk to the groups, like, what are notes that you like? Like, what don't you care for or your consumers don't care for? I don't find it annoying, but maybe that's just me just because um, I do like a good challenge too. 
I'm usually reserved. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I know like people like you all put a lot of work into this. And so sure. like when you bring out barrel samples, I'm like, okay, this is, this is what it is. And I don't they know what they're doing. I, don't, I hate them. to be, a, I hate to be a, you know, a picky person and be like, ah, oh, guys, like, ah, I don't know about Fortunately, this. we haven't had to do that at both your all's, either <laughs> yeah. one of your all's well, places. I, but I'll have to just say one thing. Don't compare our products to an eight and 12 year old whiskey that is your favorite. That's that's not our offering. We're selling four year old whiskey. That it is what it is. Don't 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 come in and say it's young. It needs a few more years. Things like that. If if that's your opinion, that is your opinion. I would you probably should have tried I, the product before I, you I, came. I would, I, would yeah. also, <laughs> I, I would also love a sixteen year old weeded bourbon from Wilderness Trail. <laughs> Trust me, I I, I think I, anyone at the table I would want it more. So it is what it is. Like don't say it's young. Things like that. I I, I I'm not offended by that, but. We're not out here searching for an old whiskey. If, you, if, if you're in the market for that, then don't come to me. We don't need to buy something for the sake of buying it. Don't buy something because you're there. Buy something because you, you love that barrel. That's something that you want to bring back to your store, your group, and tell a story of your experience with us, what you think about us, and how you guys came together on that. And I, I think that's the fun part, too, about doing barrel picks with you guys is like, Yes, it's young whiskey, but it it's has it's so unique and so different from your typical standard Kentucky profiles. You know, yes, those are great, but they all have you know similarities. And with you know your all's two offerings, it's like something that you can be like, look, yes, this is four year olds, but look at how much you know vibrant flavors there are that are not in your typical Kentucky bro- bourbon profile yet. You know, so it's it's what what I like about you know the the good younger whiskeys out on the market. You know, on his point, I mean, that's a good point. So, yeah, I guess it is a little bit, I guess, when they're like, oh, a little bit older, and you're like, you know our age, you know what our product <laughs> yeah. product is. Like, it, it's not like we have 12-year-old whiskey sitting in the back. Um, but if, like, you're like, hey, like, the flavor profiles, I don't like, things like that, I can, I love to work around that, because I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to make sure you're happy. But, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. What, oh. if, I'm, what if I'm just getting, um, I guess you could say, greedy, and I'm just like, I just want more samples well, that's, to choose that, from? that's... I can smell that. Yeah, yeah, that's. We can read that. You can smell that bullshit. I can smell that. Yeah, we're not here to just get drunk. We're here to do business. This is a fun experience, and maybe a lot of people don't do this on a day to day operation. But generally, let's just say we have six group size in there. One person's on the financial line for it. The other guys are just there on their day off for a good day. You're right. I get paycheck for buying and selling barrels. I do this for a living. This is this is serious. So you got to kind of take all that in consideration at the same time. I mean, because, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of like, uh, I guess your reputation on the line. Like, you know, I mean, they are picking the barrels but at the same time. Like you're saying like, hey, this is what I thought the best product was out there too as well. Well, a, a different thing that I see both of our programs compared to a few others is for better lack of words, in charge of curating and selecting these barrels versus somebody sure. who is just getting X, Y, and Z box from bottling or someone up the corporate ladder that says, hey, this is uh, this is the offering this month. Not everyone has the privilege Which of going down with the D-Walt. And, uh, so cool to be a part of. The, yeah. the D-Walt, like, I like that. There, <laughs> there is nothing better, like seriously, than seeing that fresh barrel head and pulling that first sample of barrels becoming of age and taking them back and tasting them. Like, yeah, I mean, it's... It's truly fascinating to be part of that and not just being like, as you said, hey, here's the barrels that we chose for the program so far. So, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, that you make a good point because a lot of, you know, 
master distillers or other people that they're not involved with the, the single barrel program are deciding that these are, here's your allotment and whatnot. You mean, you mean the medallion on the side that says the, the master distiller pick, isn't they actually master <laughs> distiller pick, Ryan? Uh, it's probably <laughs> more of the quality control panel <laughs> going through that, but it happens. It happens. I'm or, sure he sips it at least Or the one that got one. mislabeled or didn't sold. <laughs> yes. There you go. There you go. So what is some of those things that you shouldn't do? Or like, can you talk about some stories without naming names that are like bloopers of like things that have happened? You're just like, guys, just don't do this, please. Well, we don't need to stay up all night the night before and be drinking all morning. <laughs> I've before made we that show mistake. Up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not a year old, but another. <laughs> It happens to I, everyone. I blame Kenny. But he took me to Lolo before a barrel pick one night. But <laughs> I mean, let's not blow out our palates on Indian food the night before, or uh, you know, something funky on the way up. Like I, that's one thing I, I I try to keep cognizant of when I'm doing tastings or um, selecting barrels. Like that might not be a big thing, but I mean, don't you, go eat like garlic alfredo. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because it's gonna affect, it's gonna affect in. your taste buds the next day, as we all know. But I mean. Don't, don't get drunk and show up and uh, probably be the number one thing because I don't know like I was saying this is an experience that people just think it's all drinking all fun but I take this serious I mean this is my perception on how this is supposed to be done as an industry standard so let's kind of respect that and have a good time and not overdo ourselves because do you want to come back or do you just want to have an all-star good time the one time, you know? <laughs> yeah. What so, will get you blacklisted from a barrel? Oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. What gets you, what gets you blacklisted? If you're able to, if you're the one that controls the allocations, you can control the blacklist too. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I would say, uh, man, coming from uh, a former like person, I used to smoke cigarettes. Like, uh, I've literally had people like, we're waiting on like, you know, a person to get here. We're going to go outside and smoke a cigarette. And we're going to like, uh, smoking cigarettes at a distillery yeah and then like coming in being in a room and, and you can you can like that stuff is potent like you can smell that on yeah. somebody or um i've had people drink drinking coffee as we're doing a single barrel selection what like, the, how do you drink like, coffee like in, literally in, drinking coffee like a starbucks like in sitting in the barrel rooms like i've I got one caramel that, macchiato yeah, yeah Just, like, i've got like, one that trumps that though <laughs> oh i can't wait to hear this this guy, I used to get super upset about the cigarette thing too, but I just kind of washed that out of my mind. I had a guy come in, he pulls out Kodiak Wintergreen. Oh gosh. <laughs> he he looks at the... me and he said, I was like, are you about to put that? He asked me for a spitter and I was like, no. <laughs> and I was like, are you about to put that in right now? And he's like, yep. He's like, I've been drinking whiskey with a dip in my mouth ever since I started and I'm not going to stop. And I was like... Mm, all right uh you guys are buying it so uh, <laughs> roll tight and let's rammer jammer this barrel out of here <laughs> that's hilarious oh man nothing like wintergreen skull golly <laughs> i was gonna say the only time i've done that is back in college in my mouth oh yeah i was mm, i wanted to throw up too like whew. i don't know if it's a a blooper but uh i won't mention what group it was we had like a, a new, i wouldn't <laughs> a, a, a brand new bourbon group that came about right like they just had they didn't even know all their members the yet, worst personally. the facebook groups yes yes <laughs> are they really uh, so that's a good point this, this facebook group comes in so they haven't met all the members there right? and like they auctioned off like who gets to come in and help pick the barrel well there was just a couple down there that came in the distillery and like the lead of their group immediately greeted them right like oh yeah yeah like 
you're here for uh barrel pick and they're like yeah so they come with this on this tour they come up in the barrel pick room they do the barrel pick they're in the barrel pick room and at some point you know we i had all the samples curated out they slam him back like him and his wife and he he says something like i usually don't drink whiskey because i always try to fight people and like the whole like the whole time like it's it's an awkward tension in this room like everyone's like what is going on and then they just get up and leave they were never even part of the group <laughs> like they weren't even oh, supposed man. to be in they there the tour, they were just on the in. tour they, they sat through a whole hour and a half presentation of the single barrels right and uh, it was just. I still think about. I still think about that. Like randomly, barrel pit crashers. Damn, yeah. they hosed you. Yeah, <laughs> not, not even us. I felt bad for the guy leading it because it was like you know he just put together this bourbon group and he was like, guys, this is totally my fault. Like I told him to come with us and come up here. He's like, they're not even supposed to be here. Oh. Entrepreneurs from Vermont. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we have a maple syrup company. Yeah. Venture capitalists. <laughs> yes. Venture capitalists. Yes. From Vermont. So I want to I want to poke one more thing there. Like, so why are Facebook groups like? Why do you Why do you think like they're? Is it just like because it doesn't feel like there's a foundation there yet, or is it just like eh, it's an online community and it's it hasn't really been? Built. I feel like it's more for clout for them. Is that, is that weird to say? No, it's like, not weird. I mean, I think there are some true people like love the brands, but I. It's weird. I think uh, if it's trending, they'll do it. I don't think it's like true like lovers, maybe necessarily all the time. And that doesn't go for like everyone in those groups. But it but. could also be like people that are like, let's say that I just, I'm a transplant here and I'm just trying to find somebody to hang out and drink bourbon with, or I don't have any close friends. Like yeah, the internet's the closest place to be able to do it. But yeah, I mean, I agree. It's it's tough to find that. And I think uh, there's some snobs in those groups, man. I'm just not that, I'm just not that way yeah, about some stuff. And- I- I had a Facebook group come in. <laughs> <laughs> I see and, face. He's just like, oh, here we go. I don't want to act like I, I know everything about everything in the world, but this was the, a first for me. They complained about the poor levels. And I, you guys have been on a pick with me. I'm not. Uh, yeah. We're not throwing down less than one, a it's little splash a, in there. It's not a it, thimble. It's, it's not, not a thimble, thimble. But you're yeah. not stingy either. But. It, he was complaining because it wasn't enough for how he poured it and because it was messing up his nose. So after that, I just kind of washed over my mind. Like, what is the proper level of whiskey in a Glencairn then? Can you tell me, sir? Uh, no, you can't. You're just being picky right now. But I don't want to jade Facebook groups or these other groups. Like, let's let, 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 let's put it out. On one end, we might have classy connoisseurs like yourself and then on the other end we might have our chugging group out if we're on the scale here of connoisseur to chugger uh let's find a happy <laughs> yes like let's not be doing bottle kills in the parking lot <laughs> like things like that generally those facebook groups though they're just trying to get an allocation to flip that's not someone that's going to help build my brand and further our success they're there for a good time and then them tater them stickers up and (laughs) dump some wax in it and glitter and whatever else they want to put on it and make five dollars off of it or something like so that's what perturbs me too that's another thing too that kind of perturbs me is these other groups that come and they'll do picks uh they'll sell them out instantly and then 350% 350% markup on their group. Like, why, why would you even buy that? Like, you don't even know what the juice is in there. I, I, if I just put a cool sticker on there, is, is that is that really what you want? Like, 
Are we just buying to buy things again? I hate like, it, but I love it. Because <laughs> I bought in bottles, though, just for stickers. So, like, it's like a love-hate. Like, I, I get to. it, though. Like, I'm I like, oh, my, oh, I got to get that. It's a cool sticker. So, I mean, but is those, are those things, like, like cringeworthy to you? Like, do you, do you like it? Do you hate the sticker thing? Or is it kind of like, you know what? It's just a part of the game now. It's a love-hate because I've had issues that have backlash from it as well, too. Because oh, talk about that. Because I know that yeah. there's distilleries so, that are just like, well, no, it's not us. Like, well, in my mindset, once it leaves the loading dock, it's not my problem anymore. So not everyone else has that opinion, though. <laughs> right. So when you have a retailer that puts on a secondary sticker that might have, um, let's just say, compromised images, like I'm pulling trademark images off of the internet and using it as a barrel pick sticker, that comes down to being possible litigation against the actual distillery, distributor, store owner, and everyone else. So it has come up before. I've not ever had any like issues out of it. It was just kind of like, hey, you might want to watch out. This group did this. But essentially, you can't put athletic uh, things on a bottle uh, because alcohol cannot uh, enhance athletic performance. And you can also not put things like Santa Claus on the bottle, too. And I mean, well, let's be real. <laughs> Nothing. Alcohol is never going to help athletic performance. I was about to say, I was like, I've, I've, I've tried having a sip of whiskey and then working out and you're just like, oh, you get gassed after two minutes. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm done for the day. It helps yeah. my betting on out. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Video games consider athletic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, shit, that's a billion dollar industry. Yes. So yeah. Exactly. <laughs> hey, yeah, hey golf, man. It makes my golf game way better. Yeah. Well, it makes you help forget how bad you're going to golf too? You're just like, oh, whatever. Like yeah. back nine, you're like, at this point, just let it rip. Who cares? Yep. Yeah, we always just tell people, hey, like once it leaves the distillery, whatever you put on it, like we're and luckily we haven't had any issues. Um, but the reason I say it's a love hate because when a group picks a barrel, we obviously do a customized sticker for them, and uh, sometimes that's the biggest holdup is getting approval because we allow them to put a logo, a name, and believe it or not, that could take several weeks just depending on how big the chain is, um, how much thought they want to put in it. And then sometimes they may hit you with such an inappropriate name or image. You really got to laugh and be like, man, you all know I can't put that yeah, on the bottom. Yeah, that. yeah. Oh, why can't I do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's funny. I'm like, I, I'm not saying it's not funny. I'm just saying we can get in a lot of trouble if we do that. Um, plus, we have a lawyer on site, Steve. He's great. We always go to him for anything. He checks anything. Anytime a label comes, it's even questionable. Like, Steve, look this. Can you look this up for us? Um, because speaking of Santa Claus, you know, we had a group that did a pick and they wanted to put Corky on the front on their label, like Christmas Vacation, like that address <laughs> of Santa yeah, Claus. About. And it was so cool, but we couldn't do it. We're like, it's too much trouble, guys. We, we can get in so much trouble for this. Oh. So, yeah, it's, it's a love-hate thing. So we talked a lot some cringe things, like because there was the cigarettes. There's the stickers. There's the 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 parking lot chugs. Got I another one. Macaulay's got another don't one. Don't forget I, the skull dip. And I, <laughs> but I love this. Like I love like hitting these things of like just don't do this. It's not a political thing or anything, but do not bring your gun to the distillery. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do not need you to bring your hip cannon in there to defend the distillery <laughs> at that point in the We've day. Never been under attack. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had to just. Not, I've had to uh, disarm someone before. Like, like, sir, you're walking sideways because that gun's so big. Anyway, I think he had like, <laughs> he, the like same a person. 44 Magnum, or I don't know. You're it over. was a leg cannon. It's like, 
brother, you got to go put that in truck real quick and come back in. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, you have to be the distillery owner to be able to carry a gun on the distillery property is what the, the law says. So. I did not know that. <laughs> well, what about you, John? Is there any kind of like last little cringeworthy thing that you've ever seen or something that, that did you look at and you're just like, man, I wish these people just didn't do this or. I think it's amazing how people just open up doors or go places they shouldn't like in the <laughs> oh, wow. like, room that room. whether it's on a tour and it's like you know like literally like be like did you not see the keep out or <laughs> like you literally had to move that chain to go past and like why well, didn't think like that's one thing that's always blows my mind the plot of me though right no <laughs> <laughs> uh we're, i mean we're boys we're boys we go back 10 minutes because it's such a like our distillery isn't big so like it's one of those things like literally like if you literally would just ask like we we barely ever say no. So, I mean, just ask. And it's just amazing, like, what people will pick up or touch or just do in a working facility. Oh, Macaulay. I, 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 I keep thinking. I'm adding, I, I'm adding to my list over and over. He just keeps, um, like, bad well, memories keep popping up. Yeah. So, we have designated bathroom facilities for a reason. Um, don't piss on the side of the Rick house. Uh, <laughs> it's fun to focus on the negative because I think that, these are Those the are things the that, funny things. Well, it's yeah. the funny things that people don't really think about. But, you know, as we kind of wrap this up, I do want to give you one chance to kind of at least focus on the positive. Like, what is, what is like one thing, like think of at this point in the culmination of your career of like, what is like the most positive thing that's come out of the single barrel program for what you have done for each of you? I, I, I'm a huge face of the brand, honestly. I mean, forging those interpersonal relationships with different clients that come, come to the distillery and have that experience with me. I mean, I, I, I still continue friendships on with a lot of different barrel groups and people that I've met over the years too. I mean, like I said, I was, I did some other barrel picks today from with some friends from New Jersey that came down. I mean, we've, we've done Armagnac picks together. Like, I mean, it, it's just kind of forging those relationships for that are going to keep going forward. Things that are going to be beneficial for the distillery. Um, I think that's where it's at, just those per interpersonal relationships. Because like I was saying earlier, it, it's not, I can send you a box of samples and you don't get anything out of it. It's just transaction. But once you come and see the place, get to kick the tires, say, oh, wow, this is a big distillery. I didn't realize it was going to be this when you pull up. Getting the vibe. How about that? I feel yeah. Getting the vibe. For yeah. sure. <laughs> I know. I love that. Yeah. I'd say, uh, yeah, it's different when they get to actually come down there um but i say one of the positive things like he said just you can't you can't say any better than that just the connections the people i mean we're in about 47 different states but i still think maybe just alaska there's not a state i don't think i could go in and call somebody just that i've met through the barrel program or whatnot and been like hey man can i crash on your couch or you want to get a drink or <laughs> like let's hang out and that's yeah. like the most rewarding thing and i always tell people you know i've done the mashing um, I've done the distillation, but like none of those are nearly as rewarding to me as running that program. And um, one of the biggest to me is like when people come in, they taste this and they just say like, wow, like these samples are so different. Like this is crazy. Like the flavor, because you I mean you work hard on that. I mean, that's uh, when you're kind of the face and, you know, you grow to be one of the faces of a company or brand or distillery and they come in, you know, you put the hard work and it may only be three samples, but they don't know what it took to get those three samples there. And that's one of the biggest compliments someone can give you when they love your selection. They're like, can I buy all three of these? And you want to say yes, but you know, you're like, no, you can only take one, but nope, I only got 12. <laughs> yeah. And that's just one of the biggest compliments I think is when people come in and you just see the excitement there and then they're pumped up, like we're going to sell all of this. And, you know, and uh, that's just, it's so rewarding. Um, 
because yeah. you're seeing even though even though i didn't make the juice uh, it's still i got to curate those samples yeah, that you selection. pick it out you got your little stamp on it yeah and know? they know that i thought this one was good to be in the program and they liked it and yeah, they liked it uh so that totally. to me that's one of the biggest things and i would run the program as long as they'll let me just because i enjoyed the connections i enjoy being in front of people you know they've done the distillation but i i did a couple weeks of distillation i was like ah i can't do this like no, I don't want to be. I don't want to be in front of the screen doing this and that. Like, put me in front of just, people. Just let me taste it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I think you got the better part tasting the aged whiskey. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, yeah. that's the better part. That's the better part. It, absolutely. Yeah. Well, guys, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was fantastic time. Yeah, dive a lot into of fun. The, God, that went quick. I know. Mm-hmm. See, when you start talking about whiskey and single barrels, we didn't even get to the cookies. <laughs> <laughs> We'll save the cookies for after show here. What's in those? Yeah. <laughs> Wilderness Trail weeded bourbon and Ooh. snickerdoodles. Of they were course. very nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. I love snickerdoodles. But guys, I do want to say thank you so much for coming on here and being able to kind of tell your story, tell the story behind the brand and really what you do. And now that we know that if somebody does have a close relationship on you, you're now a potential couch surfer for them. So yes, that's, that's good. To <laughs> I also enjoy getting a nice gift too. So if you bring me a fine ball at Armagnac, you might get a better barrel the next year. Here, come ooh, on. Hey, Kenny uh, just picked good. a barrel of I always Armagnac. joke with people your, your about stock, that. Your yeah. stock went up 100 points. We got one so the call. There we go. Right there, so. there you go. <laughs> once, once, the air, once we turn off the air here, we're going to go to the back room and start finding stuff for these guys. Oh, yeah. Ellen <laughs> some, some Katata. Shit, we might, not even, we might even white label one for you yeah. at this point. There now, we Kenny. go. <laughs> <laughs> but guys, seriously, thank you so much. Um, if people do want to either follow you online, on Instagram, wherever it is, like how do they follow you? And, and if they have, they're like, Oh, I got a 501c3. Can I get a private barrel? No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, how can they uh, how can they follow you? Reach out to the distributor. <laughs> yeah, that's a good response. Reach out to our distributor. Uh, you can actually I'm on Instagram. That's probably my favorite social media platform. And the bourbon swami is my my tagline there. I'm also on Clubhouse as well, too. If you guys are available for Whiskey Wednesdays, uh, we're there every uh every week. So chime in on that sometime as well, too. Cool. Uh, Instagram is my main platform. You can find me at sir underscore jwadel, um, or just email me john at kentuckypeerless.com. Shoot might me not a get story. an answer, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it might be a few hours. It'll yeah. give that, yeah. Just you. give me a, at least five to seven business days to respond. <laughs> we'll post his sh- cell phone number in the show notes for you guys. There you go. <laughs> hey, that's honestly the fastest way to reach me. I Love don't know it. if I should put that on a podcast. <laughs> We won't put it out there. No. Guys, Free barrel request. Call this number. There you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but guys, dude, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this was a pleasure. It was a fun conversation. We got to really learn some insights. And I think for us, I love hearing the oh, things that yeah. you shouldn't do. Or we've just been there and we can The understand. bloopers. I love yeah. the bloopers. Yeah. It's, you know, a barrel pick's a magical experience. And we, we don't take it for granted because it's so much fun. And we're so thankful that you all put that on for for folks and it's it's a fun to hear like your other experiences and stuff too so yeah absolutely so make sure you follow them make sure you follow us for you reach your podcast and follow us on all the socials at bourbon pursuit and uh with that make sure you subscribe and we'll see you all next week toodles cheers <laughs>